the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next hour, we will be discussing how you can grow whatever savings, whatever investments you have, so that when you arrive at retirement, you have all the boxes checked. End of life care. Have you even thought about end of life care? Are you counting on working for X number of years? We talked last week about how a lot of people get surprised by uh, health situations and other circumstances that interrupt their plans. So we will be discussing a lot of topics that will be of interest to you. And we invite you to get together with the Aptus team for a free no obligation consultation. You can set that up by calling their office in Lewis Center. The number is 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Or you can certainly make your appointment on their website, which is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, Aptus Wealth, Com. And Josh, we typically hit the current events in the first segment of the show. We have a couple of things that came down this week. Let me see if I can get them in order. Middle of the week, we had the inflation numbers. Then we had Jerome Powell talking about uh, the latest Fed meeting, holding rates steady. And then we had quite the activity in the various stock markets uh, by the end of the week. And now here as we talk on Friday... And this show, again, by the way, will air at noon on Saturday. We have markets that seem to be uh, fully in, you know, let's go for it mode on Thursday. Now uh, dialing it back a little bit here on Friday. So it's been quite the eventful week as it concerns news events and headlines in the financial world. Yeah, you know, last week, if you remember, we talked about kind of hypothesizing what would the Fed do. Uh, and you know, my guess was that uh, first quarter of next year, there was a very small possibility of a Fed rate increase, but most arrows kind of pointed to they were going to leave rates alone. And then we kind of guessed that somewhere around second quarter of next year, they would start pulling back rates. Some of the banks coming up with some pretty, in my estimation, outlandish claims that they were going to pull back rates by almost 2% or even north of 2 um, But the Fed kind of clarified some things for us this week. They said they have no intention of raising rates anymore in first quarter and that their anticipation was uh, by the end of next year, they thought that the the market could handle a reduction of rates somewhere around three quarters of a percent. And obviously the markets really liked that, um, which is pretty, pretty standard. Uh, but I think, you know, there's two, two elements to that. One, the market always likes 
when we say we're going to quit raising interest rates. And it likes it even more when we say we're going to drop interest rates for all the reasons that we've talked about in the past. Businesses can borrow money at less expensive prices and there's more stability. And that's really the second piece of this is what the market really likes is stability. It likes stability in politics. It likes stability in rates. It likes stability in unemployment. And a lot of what Chairman Powell said was all of these metrics that we follow are getting to the point where we want to see them. There's a little bit more work to do. But there is one piece of the conversation that maybe we need to dive in a little bit more. And he said that he doesn't believe that the market can handle too many more rate increases, which on one hand, he's saying everything's great, rosy and good. Uh, We don't need to do anything, nothing to see here. But then on the other hand, he's saying, and also, by the way, if we raise rates anymore, it could be tumultuous and catastrophic. Yeah, that seems to me to convey the thought that uh, the markets are fragile. And he has been steadfast in stating that their goal remains getting the uh, inflation rate back to 2%. It is not there. It is not even really close to being there. I mean, it's closer than it was when it was 9.1% back in June of, was that this year or 2022? I I know it was 9.1% at its highest. But then, you know, even this past week, the inflation numbers came out and it's depending on what you look at, like so many times as we talk with these headlines, you can check and see like, well, it's down here, but it's up here. And they look at core inflation, which excludes gas and food. And there was a November rise in core inflation, even though it was an incremental rise, just a tenth of a percentage point. So some of the, uh, I guess, optimistic reaction in the markets on Thursday reminded me a little bit of like, you know, you're watching your favorite team play on Sunday and they uh, return to kickoff for a touchdown and you're all excited because you got a cheap touchdown on the opponent. No, oh, whoops, there's a flag on the play. Like, oh, we blocked in the back or we held. So uh, I think the market's got a little bit overexcited on Thursday. And we see today off comments from the New York Fed president, John Williams, saying that talk of Fed cut, uh, Fed rate cuts in 2024 is premature. That kind of dialed things back a bit. Yeah, there's going to be this pontification uh, on both sides of the of the table. But again, I think that that shift from hawkishness, which the Fed has said consistently up until this week, that we don't care. We're going to raise rates as much as we need to market be damned. We really don't care. We just know we need to get inflation down to a certain level. And now they're turning a little bit more dovish and saying, well, I think we're really uh, all our work is, is pretty much done here. We're trending in the right direction. And to give them credit, Bruce, I mean, quite frankly, all these uh, these numbers that we track are really lagging indicators. You know, when you raise interest rates, it's kind of like taking medicine. You're sick, you take medicine, but it takes a little while for the medicine to enter the, the bloodstream and, and do what it's supposed to do. So it's very possible that these these ratios and, and all the, the indexes that we're looking at will get down within range. Now, will they get down to the 2% target? I don't believe so, but I think quite frankly, and we've said this from the very beginning, you and I, Bruce, that I think the real target is if we can just get it under three, we're in a good spot. So we'll call two, anything between two and 2.9. And I think that's what they're going to be happy with. Well, I remember going back more than a year, Josh, you speculated about the fact that uh, if we can't get inflation where we want it to get, uh, well, we'll just reset the target. And, you know, actually 3% is not too bad. And Jerome Powell's actually been pretty uh, hardcore in his dedication to getting it back to 2%. But I wonder with the pressure of a presidential election coming up and 
certainly uh, the Biden White House is going to want to portray the economy. It's no secret they've been portraying the economy as robust, even in the face of maybe what most Americans are feeling or many Americans are feeling. Uh, I wonder how much longer uh, Jerome Powell will continue to hold to the 2%, uh, particularly in light of what you said uh, a few moments ago about him indicating that he's not quite confident that the U.S. economy could withstand uh, another rate hike that they made a regular practice not too long ago. What, nine straight meetings or so they raised rates? Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at, historically speaking, while 2% inflation would be fantastic, it's not really the historical norm, other than if we look at the historical norm referencing only back to about the last, you know, 20 or 25 years. But if you rewind the clock back, 3% inflation has kind of been pretty standard. As a matter of fact, you know, on my side of the fence, when you look at financial planners, investment advisors, anybody who's doing future forecasting, almost all software for retirement planning, for example, uses an inflation rate somewhere around 3%. So, you know, this 2% target, I mean, sure, it'd be great if we only had 2% inflation, but it's, is it realistic or was it just simply a target? And if we can get close to it, we'll declare victory. So make sure you get together with Josh and the Aptus team for your free no obligation consultation. You can set that up by calling their office, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Where is their office? It's in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, not far at all from 23 and 270. If you're out of the area, yes, Josh has many clients scattered around the country. But if you're in the area, we'd love for you to come in personally to have that consultation. Again, 614-917-1040 to set it up, 614-917-1040. You know, we always refer back to certain economic situations that prevailed uh, at various times on the calendar when they're similar to what we're experiencing now in order to learn from those. And hopefully, you know, uh, we had super high inflation in the 1980s and uh, raising interest rates eventually got it under control. But I've been wondering here recently if the situation now, those things that were done in the past may not be as uh, certain to follow the history of moves by the Fed because of the stimulus checks that were sent out during the pandemic. I don't know that there's ever been another time uh, in our history, our short history as a nation, where we have plowed so much money into the economy by giving everybody, I don't even remember exactly what the stimulus checks were, but for many people, they were in the in the area of $1,500 or so. And, and that doesn't sound like a lot of money to an individual family, but when you think that every household in America is getting that check, then that money gets spent and it goes to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. Uh, is that maybe why they're having a hard time getting their fingers around these issues? Well, I, I think that uh, it certainly didn't help us that we injected, what was it, five point something trillion dollars into the economy that was, a, I mean, it was essentially printed money. It wasn't money that we had laying in the bank somewhere that we sent out. So, uh, you know, this is one reason why I guess you can't necessarily trust politicians, because you remember the Biden administration saying this isn't going to cause inflation, nothing to see here, everything's going to be great. And now here we are several years later talking about trying to get inflation under control. Now, it looks like we've got it mostly under control. But, you know, I think from my perspective, there's there's other factors that are out there that could impact how this goes. So to answer your question simply, we can look at history and we can use that as a guide, but there's always changes in the environment that we have to acknowledge as well. And whether it was the stimulus money 
or just the fact that we haven't seen, you know, 5% savings and money market rates in a really long time, there is a tremendous amount of cash that is invested in liquid instruments sitting on the sidelines that's not in the stock market and to the tune of somewhere around $6 trillion in cash. So if you look at $6 trillion that's sitting in cash, one of the reasons the market may be reacting the way that it's reacting is not only did the Fed say we're going to stop raising interest rates, but we're going to start lowering interest rates. Well, there's something called risk-free rate of return and opportunity costs, and that's the way a lot of institutions and individuals invest. If I can get a 6 or 7% guaranteed rate of return, then why would I put my money in the stock market for the hopes of getting an 8 or 9? But if I can only get a 3, well, then maybe that's the impetus to kick me into the market. And I think the widespread belief is that if interest rates start ticking down next year, not only will that be favorable for the companies that comprise the stock market, but it could significantly drive demand for the stock market. And if we want to look at that, you know, in history and say, well, what is it? Ha what's happened in the past when we've been in similar scenarios? Well, on average, when the Fed has declared it's going to stop interest rate increases and its intention is to start reducing interest rates in the next 12 months, on average, U.S. stocks have climbed 24% in the 12 months following. And the bond market, remember, interest rates are inversely proportional to bonds. So we're in an interest rate environment where bonds are high. You, the, the yield you're getting on them is high. You can go buy treasuries that are you know north of 5%. But then as interest rates start to pull back, you get a premium for selling those bonds. So for the first time in a really long time, it looks like an advantageous position to be in bonds, investment-grade bonds. And history has proven that to be accurate with more than a 13% rate of return and the 12% following. So theoretically speaking, just the simple declaration of we're going to stop raising interest rates and we intend on dropping them from a historical perspective would point towards great things to come in both investment categories and then add in the fact that we have $6 trillion in cash sitting on the sidelines that could increase demand beyond that normal correlation. And if we only looked at those two, those two metrics, it would say that we have pretty good things ahead of us in the way of savings. Now, whether or not, Bruce, I think oftentimes you, you and I talk about, well, what's that? That's Wall Street. But what does that mean for Main Street? Well, that $6 trillion in cash is not $6 trillion divided by the 330 million Americans that are in the United States. It is segregated amongst the top, you know, 40 or 50 percent of, uh, you know, wealth in the United States. So I still think that disparity of income and wealth is is growing. And I think that's going to have inherent challenges as well. And as well. And what I mean by that is the haves and have nots, essentially, the people who are really struggling to figure out how they're going to pay for groceries. I think that struggle will continue and perhaps even get more difficult. Um, however, for the disciplined savers, the people in the have category. I think uh, we have a pretty bright future ahead of us over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you bring that up and that was a point made. I just happened to see an interview yesterday with Charles Payne of Fox Business. He has a new book out. So, of course, he's making the rounds. And the thrust of his book is that the stock market is still the place to be if you can be in it long term. But he was making the point that all those stimulus checks, that six trillion or five trillion dollars or so that will have he says, will eventually make its way to the top 1% of earners, which is the, you know, uh, group of people that many uh, uh, bark at as uh, wealth disparity is uh, something that uh, 
comes in line for a lot of criticism. But he was making the point that, you know, that $1,500 check sent to a household gets spent, and then whoever it gets spent with also spends it, and they also spend it, and they also spend it. But eventually, it makes its way to the top 1%. And when you were talking about the amount of money sitting out there on the sidelines that's not in the stock market right now, I wondered if if you'd have a guess or you have any thoughts on where we are in that process of those stimulus checks making their way to the top of the financial heap. Um, I, we're, we're certainly not at the pinnacle of that. Uh, there's still some more money to be spent. I mean, simply stated that there's $6 trillion sitting on the sidelines. That means it's $6 trillion that hasn't been spent yet, but it will be spent. And, you know, I think oftentimes we look at this and say, well, those greedy people at the top. But the fact of the matter is they are the job creators. So it's not necessarily inherently a bad thing that that $6 trillion, if it does figure out a way to climb to the top, um, then perhaps that will be met with um, innovation. It'll be met with new industries that we haven't even thought about yet as we think about AI. And I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Bruce, that cell phones weren't really a prominent thing. I mean, I think we've talked about past in the show that when texting came out, you and I both looked at it and went, why in the world would you do this on this little keypad? And now texting is more prominent than calling. So who knows what the future holds, but the people that will create that will ultimately be those job creators. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But as we look at you know the, the market, and this could be great for the market, the $6 trillion could go back to the market. Let's look at it from the flip side. We just got done saying rates are going to probably decrease. So if you are not somebody who feels comfortable being in the market and riding out the volatility, even though you know in your heart of hearts that if I just stay put and I invest in the market for 10 or 20 years, I'm best being there. I don't want to ride that emotional roller coaster or my future forecast isn't 20 years long. I'm, I'm 75 years old and I, I, you know, I don't anticipate being around in 20 years. Uh, well, then now might be the time to start thinking about locking in rates in different things. And what do we typically point to there? We would typically point to CDs, but we're still in this wonky inverted yield curve. So I would point towards uh, what's called a MIGA in my world or a multi-year guaranteed annuity, very much similar to a CD, but we're seeing, you know, five-year rates up in the high fives, sometimes even really pushing that six number. So you have guaranteed money for five years earning almost 6%. Well, if rates pull back, that money market that you're really happy with today that's paying 5.2 or 5.3 or 5.4 might only be paying 4. And let's let's just look at the reality of this situation. Although we had the fastest increase in history in interest rates, we've gone from a zero rate of return in money markets, essentially, to a five and a quarter or more in 12 months. That doesn't mean it can't go back down to half of that number in the next 12 months. So now would be the time to lock in those rates and not have to face the piper in three years and go, well, I thought I had a plan, but that was based upon 5% rates and now I can't find those anymore. And now I want to go in the market, but the market just had this great run up over the next, over the last couple of years. And now I feel like we're at highs and I'm not comfortable putting my money in, which I'm sure as I'm saying this, you're going, I've heard this story before a million times. So, you know, think ahead, don't react after it's already happened. Yeah, that's great advice. And that's the kind of advice you get from Josh and the Aptus team. And it is advice. I mean, ultimately, you will make the call on what to do with your money. And, you know, what my wife and I found when we went in for our free consultation was that Josh and his team talk you through 
various options and educate you. And then hopefully you come to an accord where you understand like what the smartest decision is for you. And that's all part of working through the get to know you process of the free consultation. No obligation at all. Set it up uh, online by going to Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And you can also make a phone call and make an appointment with uh, Josh's representative who answers the phone when you call 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Everybody's on a different schedule. Josh, you just alluded to somebody who might be a little closer to retirement. And uh, I think a lot of people get nervous about the word guarantee. Uh, you're a fiduciary. You're legally obligated to do what's best for people uh, because I think a lot of people have, have an inherent skepticism that nothing is guaranteed when it comes to finances, we play a disclaimer at the start of this about, you know, cautioning against those kinds of things. So that new vehicle that you just <clears> talked <throat> about, that guaranteed rate of return, what struck me was if you are close to retirement and you have a lot of money in the stock market, you have a lot of money that's vo it's volatile. You don't know what the market's going to do. You might be optimistic or pessimistic, but you don't know what it's going to do. But uh, even when the markets are good, there are down years in the midst of a good cycle. And so if you're at a certain point in your retirement continuum or your approach to retirement, some of those vehicles that you talked about that offer that guarantee now with uh, vehicles that typically have not offered a high guarantee like T-bills and bonds, those might be ideal for somebody in that situation. Well, I think they give peace of mind. I mean, I, there's there's no question that we all want to be as pragmatic and logical as possible, but we've, all, we've also, uh, at least people who have been investing for some period of time, have watched the ebbs and flows of the market. And when you're 30, 40 years old, or even in your 20s, those ebbs and flows, uh, you know, they don't mean that much. You know that you're you're still a long ways out from needing these funds. But as we get closer and closer, or even in retirement, and you watch your 401k turn into a 201k overnight, you know it'll come back. But you go, man, I hope I I hope I'm around long enough to see it. And am I going to implode my retirement income situation by doing this? So having that peace of mind of having different buckets of money, if you recall back to our, I believe it was last week or the week before we had discussed a um, a survey that said people with multiple sources of income reported being farther happy or, or, or much more happy in their retirement. Nowhere in that survey did it say people who have a higher rate of return seem to be happier in retirement. It was people that have more solidarity in where their money's coming from seem to be happier in retirement. So I don't think we can ignore that fact. I think everybody listening today and you and I, if we could say, well, you know, we have this this empire of real estate that pays us, you know, rents every month. And then we have these fixed annuity contracts that pay us money. And then we have our social security, we have our funds, and then we have a side business. Everybody would think that's the ideal situation. And nowhere in that conversation was, what's the yield you're earning on your investment? It's just the comfort in knowing that I have different things that react different ways dependent upon what the economic conditions are. And I think if you're looking future forward on that, remember in, interest rates are inversely proportional to bonds. Well, similarly with these fixed annuities, and hopefully I don't lose people on this, but they have something called a market value adjustment if you leave early. And for the last 40 years or so, that has been, you know, there's been ebbs and flows of that. And over the last year, the market value adjustment has been tumultuous and terrible for people. But if you lock into a, a multi-year guaranteed annuity today that's going to pay you five and a half or six percent, and then in two years interest rates pull back by two percent, and you need to get out of this, 
you could actually get a premium on the exit. So there's there's a bunch of nuances to all of these types of investments. And it just happens to be a very good time to take a look at those things. Doesn't mean it's for everybody. Doesn't mean it necessarily fits your situation. But if it does, if anything I said sounds like, ah, oh, that's kind of me, don't wait because those rates are going to start going down over the next three to six months as well. Yeah, and I would say too, like I know people can form very uh, hard and fast opinions about certain investment vehicles. Maybe somebody you know had a bad experience with an annuity. Maybe you, or maybe you had a bad experience in the market, or maybe you had a bad experience with bonds. Look, conditions are always changing, and do yourself the favor of going in and sitting with the Aptus team and having Josh and his colleagues explain things to you so that you can understand them. He's talked before about peace of mind. That's what my wife and I gained by having that conversation. I didn't want to be responsible for making a big mistake that I didn't have time to atone for. And I don't think you want to do that either. You've worked hard for your money. You can save it. That's fine. But you really need to invest it and grow it at a higher rate. That's what they specialize in at Aptus, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Thanks for joining us here on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, and they offer you a free consultation with no obligation. If you'd like to get together with them, discuss some of the concepts we cover here on the show, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040 is how you get a hold of Aptus, or you can do it online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, Lewis Center, the offices of Aptus, not far from 23 and 270 on the north side of Columbus. So make that appointment today, either online or via the phone, 614-917-1040. And Josh, you're a fiduciary. You're legally obligated to do what's best for your clients in their retirement. They've uh, worked. They've saved money. Hopefully, they're investing money because that's how people get to a better place in retirement. But as we uh, near the end of the calendar year here in 2023... Uh, the umbrella over your entire business is retirement planning. There are a lot of different ways to do that. And I wonder, uh, we've talked a lot about annuities and stock market and bonds and treasuries and what has gone on this year in the financial world and rates of return and all those kinds of things. Uh, there are always contrarians out there, people who are looking for or may believe in an alternative way of doing it. Are there some unconventional ways that people engage in uh what proves to be eventually sound retirement planning? Well, I think there's there's two ways to look at that, Bruce. One is the unconventional uh, investments, meaning, you know, can I invest in land or rental property or, you know, buying options or something like that versus just the standard kind of run-of-the-mill buying stocks, bonds, and annuities. But then there's another perspective to look at, and that is how can I take advantage of maybe some programs that are available through the tax code that aren't necessarily designed for retirement planning, but can be manipulated uh, to benefit me for tax planning. Or let's think about it as perhaps knocking out two birds with one stone. And the SECURE Act uh, 2.0 that was passed uh, made a change to 529 plans. And 529 plans are conventionally used for saving for your kid's college. So if you're hearing this right now and going, what does it have to do with retirement planning? Well, the SECURE Act 2.0 really opened up the floodgates on a way to utilize it. And let me first describe what a 529 plan is. So a 529 plan works very similar to a Roth IRA, but for the purposes of education. So you can put money in after tax, 
all of the gains inside of the 529 plan grows tax deferred. And then as long as you use the money for education, you can use it tax free. And during the Trump administration, a lot of latitude was added to that. For example, now you can use it to pay for a kid's uh, private school while they're not in college, private school, at high, high school or parochial uh, level. Um, but you also get a state income tax deduction in the state of Ohio, and every state is different. So in Illinois, for example, just to the north of us, uh, you actually can do more than what I'm about to tell you. But in the state of Ohio, you can invest $4,000 per year per child and write off that amount on your state income taxes. So it's a little bit better, you could argue, than a Roth IRA from a tax perspective, but that's only if you used it for education until the Secure Act 2.0 came out. And this really solved the conversation that we had a lot in my office, and that was I know that I want to save for my kids' college, but at the same time, who knows what college is going to look like in 10 or 15 or 20 years? Am I is my kid even, what if my child doesn't want to go to college? They want to become a welder or an electrician or whatever. Well, then what happens? Well, in the past, that that uh, what was kind of worked like a Roth IRA for education would have reverted back to essentially it being like a traditional IRA. So you would have taxes on it, and it really wasn't that advantageous. Now, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't advantageous. Well, now with the SECURE Act, they said the government has declared that if you have had this 529 plan for 15 years and not used it, then you can take up to $35,000 of that and convert it into a Roth IRA in the beneficiary of your choice. So let's think about this for a husband and wife. Let's say you had two kids and we saved up enough money and we had $35,000 for each kid still remaining after college. They didn't go to college. Whatever the reason, we have $35,000. Well, now effectively, you have added $35,000 worth of money to your Roth IRA and $35,000 worth of money to your wife's Roth IRA. Well, what did you do? You just created a backdoor way to get more more Roth IRA money or inherently more tax-free dollars in retirement to the tune of $70,000 for you and your wife that you don't have to cash out when you do that. You can leave it alone. Well, now, if if you started this 529 plan, when your kid was born, it's very conceivable to think by the time you're 50, your kids have been out of college and it's been more than 15 years since you've had these things. And maybe you're not planning on retiring until you're 60 or 70 years old. Well, that 35,000 a piece could easily be 70 or 100 or $150,000 in funds that's now available for you in retirement planning. And there's a lot of kind of nuanced things like this that note that I didn't talk about what it was invested in. I just talked about how you can manipulate the tax code. And if nothing else, it's also a great wealth transfer tool because you can assign the beneficiary. So if you say at that point, well, I really don't need the money, great place, great position to be in, but I don't need the money. You could set your your kids up for a great retirement. Now, let's say your child is only, you're 50 and your kid's 25. You could assign that $35,000 to a Roth IRA in your child's name. And now they have 30, they have 30 years, maybe 30 years plus before they need that money. We're talking about huge amounts of compounding, potentially, you know, a million dollars that you put in with a state income tax deduction and then it grew tax free. Interesting change in the SECURE Act. And I'm sure there's, you know, I can think of several more of those types of ideas off the top of my head, but I'm sure there will be more to come. 
So let me explore that a little bit. And again, if you'd like to get with Josh and his team to get some answers about that specific uh, possibility that he just outlined, the number at Aptus is 614-917-1040. You can sit for a couple meetings with them, free consultation, no obligation at all, 614-917-1040, or make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So number one, you said it's a way to get more money in a sort of, kind of, sort of Roth IRA. Uh, I assume there are limits then on what people can put in a Roth IRA. Uh, do you have access to the same investment vehicles? Are you limited in a 529 plan? Now, those are two questions that came to mind for me. Yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to the the limit per child. You can put in more than this, but the real threshold limit that you want to look at is about $17,000 a year because that's the gift tax allowance. So you can give to your child $17,000 a year gift tax free. And then that can grow in that Roth category. The big restrictor plate isn't how much you can put in it. It's how much you can roll in at the end, which is currently only $35,000. we will see if in the future that changes. But a conversation that I have all the time, even with grandparents, because remember, most of the clients that we work with are you know very close to retirement or in retirement. So they're thinking about uh, wealth transfer, helping out the next generation oftentimes. And one of the conversations we have is, well, I want to give my grandkids some money in their in a college plan, but how do I make sure that I get to control it just in case they head down the wrong path? And if they do head down the wrong path, am I just throwing this money away or what do I do with it? And the answer is, with a 529, I maintain ownership over those dollars. I assign a beneficiary to be determined and changed at any time that I want. So, for example, Bruce, I have three children. Uh, ranging from uh, a senior in high school all the way down to first grade, because apparently I never want to be an empty nester. But nevertheless, uh, at you know, let's say that my my senior in high school currently gets a full ride. Well, he's got a five twenty nine plan. I can change the beneficiary of his five twenty nine to one of my other children, or to myself, or whomever I want it to be. So if you're a grandparent and you say I want to give it to this grandchild, but we have nine grandchildren, if one of them goes left to center. You can just reassign that to another one. And then if none of the grandchildren end up using the money, there's nothing precluding you from then flipping that to a Roth IRA, giving it to a grandchild, or flipping it to a Roth IRA in your own name. So you have a lot of bailouts. As far as the investments go, you're only limited in investments by the 529 plan that you elect. So the the, the predominant 529 plan in the state of Ohio is through a college advantage, which is essentially Vanguard and Fifth Third Bank. The options that you have available through there is stocks, money markets, bonds, you know, mutual funds, essentially, of all of those. And then you can also invest in CDs available through Fifth Third Bank. So, you know, are you limited? Somewhat. But if we're talking about long-term Roth IRA dollars, I would argue that the best place to be for the long run is the stock market anyway. Um, and very rarely do you see a Roth IRA that's invested in anything contrary to that. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. It airs Friday nights at 7 and Saturdays at noon here on The Answer. And you can take advantage of a conversation with Josh to learn more about these concepts and anything you have that's a curiosity for you as it relates to retirement. Explore a relationship with Aptus, as my wife and I did. We are now very, very satisfied Aptus clients. 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or Make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Okay, so you said something in your first uh, remarks about this, about uh, the money being in there 15 years or so. Is this ideal, this 529 
option as not just college planning, but perhaps additional Roth IRA-like uh, retirement planning. Is this ideally suited for somebody who is 15 years away from retirement? Would this be something that would also be a good option for someone who's maybe in their late 50s or 60s and has kids in college or approaching college? I think it could be used for all those people, but I think, you know, we have to look at what order do we think of in, in the way of investments. And I think, you know, we can't ignore the principles of finance. Principle number one is protection. So we want to make sure if we have a family that we have enough in an emergency fund that God forbid we lose our job, we can, you know, have some solidarity there. Two would be uh, our greatest asset is our, is our earning power. So we want to make sure that we have you know, we have some sort of disability insurance to protect against our inability to, to work. And then God forbid one of us were to die. We want to make sure that the surviving spouse is taken care of. Once we get past that, if we work for a company that provides a 401k that has a match in particular, we certainly want to take advantage of the match. Well, then if that's not enough to satisfy our future retirement goals, we probably want to look if we qualify towards a Roth IRA but then once we get past all of that, we're still looking for other ways to invest, and we have children, a 529 plan could knock out two birds with one stone. And another thing that could knock out you know, somewhat two birds with one stone that's kind of an unconventional way of thinking would be an HSA. Uh, if you have a high deductible insurance plan, you qualify for a health savings account. Health savings accounts, you put money in pre-tax, it grows tax-deferred, and all the money that you pull out of it for healthcare is tax-free. So that's arguably better than a 401k, a Roth IRA, and a 529, as long as the money is used for healthcare. Well, I don't know about you, Bruce, but I don't know too many people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that don't need some sort of healthcare. So we might not think of it as this retirement plan that we can use to go buy a car, but undoubtedly, we're all going to have healthcare expenses. So... What a tremendous way to kind of front load that. I think we've gone through some statistics over the years where, you know, the average retiree is going to need somewhere around $300,000 worth of health care in their retirement. Well, that's something we have to plan for. We can put it in our 401k or our Roth IRA, or we can use the most advantageous vehicle possible for it, which would be potentially an HSA. So there's, I think conventionally, all we think about is we need a savings account, we need a retirement account. And we don't even necessarily call it a 401k or a Roth. You'll hear people just say a retirement account. And then, you know, maybe we have some fun money. But there's a lot more categories out there that we can take advantage of. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's only two ways to skin that cat. So as it concerns HSAs, like uh, I'm trying to think, is there another type of account like that where you have to use everything in the account by the end of the year? Is that a Medicaid thing or is there... Are there things for people who are not on Medicaid that uh, they don't have to be uh, completely emptied by the end of the year? Are HSAs, to me, like what you just said, sound like they roll over from year to year? They do. So HSAs carry forward and they're portable. So if you have an HSA with Company A, you can take it to Company B, Company C. I think what you're speaking of, Bruce, is probably a flexible spending account. And the benefit to a flexible spending account is you don't have to be on a high deductible plan. So to be clear... To do an HSA, you ha your health insurance plan has to be determined to be a high deductible plan. Now, good news, bad news. Most plans today are pretty darn high deductible plans. So 
the days of having a $250 deductible on your health insurance plan are kind of dead. So most people have plans that would be very close to or qualify as a high deductible plan. So HSAs are available. But if you don't have a plan like that, you have the ability to put in pre-tax dollars for things like co-pays and for prescription, uh, you know, co-pays, et cetera, through a flexible spending account. But the detriment to that is on an annual basis, if you don't use it, you lose it, which is why that's always kind of a delicate planning uh, vehicle. I, you know, I don't want to leave any money on the table. So people will usually undershoot the runway rather than overshoot it. You don't have that fear with, with an HSA. Yeah, that's great advice. And that's what you get when you go with Aptus and the Aptus team. Uh, my wife and I just were at a stage of life where looking at our retirement savings, it wasn't like we didn't have stuff saved and we didn't have stuff invested, but monitoring it and making sure as the market started to do things that we didn't fully understand, but scared us, like having a professional, somebody who's on the case, who knows all these things, who thinks uh, you know, not always outside the box, but I mean, I think what you heard Josh talk about with HSAs and uh, with 529 plans, uh, those are versatile ways, creative ways, legal ways that you can uh, maximize your ability to arrive at the best possible place in retirement. And that's what a fiduciary does. They do what is legally obligated. They're legally obligated to do what is best for you. We're very happy as Aptus clients. I think you will be as well. And you certainly owe yourself uh, following through on the opportunity to have a no obligation free consultation with them. Set that up. 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. Okay. Uh, those two seem pretty sound to me. Uh, is there anything else in that regard? Or uh, I wanted to touch a bit on uh, an idea that I had for the people who say that I just don't have any money to invest in the stock market. I don't have any money to invest in retirement. I've got an idea. I want to run by you and see what you think. But first, I want to give you a chance to uh, move on to anything else that might be in that same vein as an HSA or a 529 that can be used for sound retirement planning. Yeah, there certainly are more options. Um, but again, you kind of kind of follow that progression of what makes logical sense and the options that you have available. So if we get past the 401k, the Roth IRA, the 529, the HSA, the, you know, plug, plug, there's all these. And then we start getting into things like, how can we generate more tax-free income in retirement? And then we get into overfunding a uh, fee-based life insurance contract, which we've talked about previously on this show. And then I think the other piece um, that we, we can't negate, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Bruce, but when you came in and we met, I think you had very conventional thought. Um, and hopefully I'm not, you know, sharing too much, but, you know, it's kind of we have cash yeah. and then we have our stock market investments and uh, we don't want to put too much in the stock market investments because that that makes us feel a little uneasy. But at the same time, we're not earning as much as we'd really need to or would like out of the cash. And we ignore all the things that are in the middle because nobody talks about any of those things. And we don't understand them. We, didn't understand we don't understand them. And I think that's really where a lot of benefit can be had. And I think it's probably what you took away from our conversation some years ago is, so let me get this straight. I can actually get this much upside potential in the market without downside loss. That makes, that's a good bridge type of investment that I feel very, very comfortable with. And I think that's where most of the market is lacking, Bruce, is, is I think anecdotally, at least, we all have a good idea. If we go to Vanguard and we pick the 2050 fund, uh, we know that that's probably going to be pretty good. We probably know there's... Maybe a better way to to do it, 
but we're comfortable with that. And we know the general idea of the illogical patterns of the stock market. And then every time I go into the bank and I knock on the door, uh, they tell me about the CD rates and the money market rates and savings accounts rates. And I understand that. But how do we kind of bridge that gap? And I think that's really where we can build a tremendous amount of value for clients. Not that we're not helping on the top and the bottom, but those bridge products, particularly as we get close to retirement or in retirement, the name of the game is how do we generate predictable income? That's what's missing. But I'm very curious to hear about your your idea. Uh, so fire away. Yeah, well, before I get to that, you just mentioned something about a fee-based, I think, life insurance. Uh, that's a word that drives people crazy, fees. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, is that a four-letter word? Are fees always bad or are fees sometimes justified? Uh, I think fees are good. And, and let me explain the different ways that life insurance works. And and there are reasons and, and uh, purposes for both of these things. So I'm not saying one is better than the other. But specifically speaking on the accumulation of of asset side, life insurance is, let me step back, life insurance is for two reasons. It's for protection. God forbid I, I die sooner than I would want and I don't have the assets to take care of my family. This is insurance to take care of my family. No different than buying insurance on your car because your car isn't paid off and you need to replace it if you got in an accident. But there's another way you can utilize insurance, and that is using the tax code to essentially establish a way to accumulate retirement dollars inside of a life insurance policy so that when I take the withdrawals from there, they can be tax-free. And when you do that specifically, there are two different types of contracts. Contract number one is a commission-based contract. Contract number two is a fee-based contract. And fee-based are only available through fiduciaries. The benefit to the fee-based contract is actually a reduction of fees, which sounds completely counterintuitive. But if I'm paying a commission-based broker for a life insurance contract, and they're never going to get compensated again, I have to add two things to the life insurance contract. A tremendous amount of fees because we're going to pay the commission to the agent right up front. So those fees are going to be really high and they're just going to stay solid for the entire contract because from an insurance company's perspective, if I'm paying the agent 70% of what the client puts in right up front as a commission, that's a lot of 1% fees. I'm going to have to lock you up with surrender charges, raise the fees, do all sorts of things. But if a fiduciary does the same thing and they say, well, we're only going to pay out 1% as a, quote, commission, we're going to call it a fee. Well, that's 70 years that we have to make up that 70% commission, right? So we can eliminate a lot of the underlying fees of the contract. We can eliminate surrender charges. All of the negative sides, if you're listening to this right now, going, well, I always thought life insurance as a cash value accumulator was a pretty cool idea. But then I got the illustration and it showed these exorbitant fees and uh, deferred surrender charges, and it just didn't make sense. Those days are over on the fiduciary side of the business, so much so that I personally have a very significant sized life insurance contract on the fee-based side that I accumulate retirement dollars in. And I just think it's one of the great ways to build tax-free wealth, particularly for folks that don't qualify for a Roth IRA plan because of income re reasons. Okay, that makes a ton of sense to me. Here is an idea that I have for parents and for others who have young people or even for people who are in their 30s or 40s. 
when you think you don't have money set to set aside for retirement. And it is as simple as this. We see, I'll just start with the with phones. This time of year, we see all kinds of commercials for phones and the Google phone looks great and the iPhone looks great and all that. But what you would pay to upgrade your phone, instead of upgrading your phone, how about sinking that money into Google stock or Apple stock? I don't think either one's going away. And you can extrapolate this out to a new snowboard or new golf clubs or new Nikes or anything like that. That's my, That just hit me the other day when I'm watching all these enticing commercials about get the newest, brightest, blingiest thing. Long term, you'd be better off sinking that money into the company rather than into the company's product. A hundred percent. And I think what you're really also uh, pointing towards is what I call the payment mentality. It's death by a thousand cuts. What's uh, I can get Spotify normally and listen to the commercials or I can pay the extra nine bucks a month and not have to listen to commercials. Well, what's nine bucks a month? I can brew a cup of coffee at my house or I can stop at Starbucks on the way to work. What's five bucks a day? I can. And all of a sudden you realize that you're you could have been saving two hundred dollars a month for just by absorbing minor, very minor inconveniences. So just food for thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, set for your free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Set it up, 614-917-1040. Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And we will talk to you all again next week. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.